Chapter Twenty of From Different Standpoints by Pansy and Fay Huntington. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty. Amidst all the apparent tangle of affairs and apparent mistakes and real heartaches, things moved steadily toward one accomplishment, which probably the eye of God saw as He saw all things else, and He knew the end and caused the wrath of man to praise Him and decreed that the mistakes should work out fruit to his praise. Still, to those who were looking on, it all appeared a mistake. Eleanor Harrison, bewildered, not to say frightened, by the utter silence of her husband, and detecting in his manner toward her a certain passive endurance of her society, rather than pleasure in it, was not the least miserable of the people whose lives were woven into each other she sent her miserable letter, not without adding to it, on the same evening of her ride with her husband, the following postscript. Mamma, what do you think? Perry saw my letter after all. I wouldn't have had it occur for a thousand dollars. Not that I mean much of anything, of course, except about Tom. I'm in earnest about that, and there is real danger. The girl has a sort of fascinating way about her that attracts just such thoughtless people as Tom and passes for talent. But it is so horrid to have had Perry reading all this stuff. I would burn it now instead of sending it, only I want you to see just how horrid it is and tell me what you think. Of course I was vexed when I wrote it. That girl's letters exasperate me so. Perry is good about it, just as he is about everything." If he were not so uncomfortably good, there never would have been any trouble. I never intended to marry a saint. I wanted a comfortable sort of sinner like myself. And Perry Harrison certainly stood very well in that character when I promised to marry him. But now I might as well be the wife of a home missionary and be done with it. Now I'm running on again, so as to have some more to repent of. Just read this letter and tell me what you think of me, to ease your mind, you know, and then burn the letter so that no more evil will come of it. That horrid German girl is shouting at me from the foot of the stairs. I shall teach her better than that. It was through a blunder of mine that Perry got hold of the wrong letter. He is much too perfect to have read it except by accident. Eleanor was it only another mistake that the silly mother, to whom a daughter dared to write such wicked letters, instead of burning it, carried it around in her pocket, sighing over it with all her heart, weeping tears occasionally over portions of it? For where her daughter was wicked, she was sometimes only weak. And at last, three weeks after she had received it and answered it, receiving no reply and fearing she hardly knew what, suddenly drew it forth one evening, and, with a half-laugh, half-sigh, handed it to Tom, who had run down from New York to see how she was, with the remark, "'Here, Tom, I ought not to worry alone. See what a life Eleanor is leading, and tell me whether there is any truth in her fears that you are being entangled too. I am sure I hope one of my children will have sense enough not to disgrace his mother.' "'What do you mean?' Tom asked vaguely, frightened by her hints, but he took the letter and retired with it to a side table. He read it slowly, carefully, and yet, pausing over, even spelling, every word, it could hardly have taken him as long to master the contents as he sat, 
holding those daintily written sheets before his face well his mother said at last speaking sharply for his silence made her anxious what do you think it surely isn't in sanskrit that you should be so long in deciphering it i think he said speaking slowly and coming toward her as he spoke i think that my sister would be ashamed to have me read that letter for the atom of self-respect that she may have left to her i trust she need not know that i saw it as to the rest i hardly know what i think i had trusted that if eleanor were not a christian she at least was an honourable woman but it seems i was mistaken if you want any message to her from me mother tell her never to dare to write eunice taylor's name to me and never to let me hear of her speaking her name in any dishonourable or unwomanly way or she will have to answer for the consequences and in a white heat of anger he strode from the room then indeed that mother cried she wanted high-toned propriety in her daughter and she wanted a brilliant marriage and lofty prospects for her son and now from his manner she was almost certain he was getting entangled with that tailor girl you will be able to tolerate eleanor harrison better when i tell you that this mother of hers was actually as much disappointed in her son as she was in her daughter with such a mother what could be expected of the daughter and yet the son was one of the earth's noblemen no i mistake earth had nothing to do with it he was one of the princes of the royal house he was on terms of the closest intimacy with the king during these days what about eunice taylor and her thwarted life she made two entries in her long-suffering journal bearing date but two days apart and you shall read them both october eleven eighteen blank i have held my pen for full five minutes i should think in doubt whether to yield to my inclination and write here or let the poor white page go unmarred yet why should i not get rid of so much bitterness as will stick to its pages i am a very wicked girl i see it more plainly than any one else possibly can unless it is god himself and sometimes it seems to me as though even he could not know the depths of wickedness in my heart or he would leave no place for me on this earth all this i can say to myself but i cannot let any one else know it it has to do with matters that cannot be told almost every evening for the past two weeks i have been at prayer meeting led there in the first place by the persuasion of one who seems to have such a longing for my soul that he cannot let me alone led there afterward by a strange sort of power that i can neither describe nor understand a power from which i seem unable to get away and of which i am afraid they have been wonderful meetings i never knew anything like them before i have had a queer sort of longing that i might enjoy them for perry what manna they would have been to him i can dimly imagine it as for me it seems to me that they have led me close to the very door of heaven only to show me that it is barred against such as i instead of it being the easy thing i had always imagined it to be a christian i find that to me it is an impossibility and that not from any fault in the provision but because of the hardness of my own heart i have been led to feel in a measure how great a thing it must be to have that wonderful christ for a friend 
but he is not my friend. He looks at me with mournful eyes, and cannot accept me. There is a barred gateway between him and me, and not even he can remove the bolt. His, I say to you, love your enemies, clear and emphatic as it is, just shuts me out of heaven. I cannot, cannot do it. I cannot even want to forgive and love. The idea of loving Eleanor Harrison is actually horrid to me. Almost I feel I would rather be lost body and soul forever than to do it even if I could, and I know that I can't. In every possible way has she injured me, and that without the slightest provocation. Even when I was trying to struggle against my worst self, trying to endure her and to help Perry by keeping him blind. The very effort to do it has made me despise her more. Beside, it was for nothing. I did not succeed. I believe in my heart that she makes his life miserable, though he does not know her as I do, else he would despise her too. Sometimes my heart is so awfully wicked that I long to make plain to him just what she is, and see him turn from her in scorn and loathing. I could do it. Sometimes I am afraid that I shall. Almost the desire consumes me. It came to me last evening in meeting, came, right in the midst of a wonderful sermon, from that wonderful text, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh, it was sublime forgiveness. But that is just it. It was godlike, because he is God, and I am only a poor worm of dust. Beside, that awful beside, she knows what she is doing. She is setting about it deliberately, with ends to accomplish. I can never, never forgive her. And, while I write it, I realize fully that, by that statement, I am bolting the door of heaven against me. She cannot enter there, and this is sin, awful sin, and I cannot help it. The entry closed abruptly, and Una ran downstairs, suddenly possessed with the belief that she must get away from herself and her tormenting thoughts for a little, or they would drive her wild. A strange life she was living, trembling on the edge of a great, and as she truly phrased it, an awful decision, deliberately turning away from the loving, forgiving Saviour, and refusing to forgive a frail sinner like herself the hardness of her heart amazed herself. There were anxious hearts in the house for her. Mr. Romaine had said all he dared to her, but he constantly presented her before his elder brother, pleading for her soul. Tom Haddington had a consuming anxiety for her that almost unnerved him. He could not help but see that she was passing through what might be the solemn turning point of her life. For all he could know, the Lord— who was knocking so loudly and so patiently at the door of her heart, might pass by and never knock again. He knew there was some strange obstacle in the way, he could not conceive what. He could not help in any way, and he was overwhelmed with a sense of pain and responsibility. He wrote to Perry, but he had received only a constrained and bewildering answer. Since that view of his sister's letter, he began dimly to realize what some of the weight at her heart might be, began dimly to understand that it was something with which a third person could not meddle, and which nobody could help but God, and to God she would not go. 
when she suddenly left her room to get away from herself she went to the parlor and there she found tom haddington i didn't know you had returned she said giving him her hand her face lighting with pleasure in her present sore state of heart his persistent friendship was a salve i am but just returned he said and then the next sentence was utterly unpremeditated it had been the last thing that he had meant to say una are my sister and perry harrison an ill-mated pair eunice drew herself up proudly even his brother she felt had no business to question you should ask him she said haughtily if you really think that is a proper question to ask he certainly would be likely to have more definite information on that point than ought to be expected from me don't he said simply please don't una i am in sore trouble i thought it possible you might help me instantly the flash of indignation passed from una's face leaving it deadly pale and the hand that she had laid on his arm trembled visibly yet she managed to keep her voice somewhat steady is it perry mr haddington is he in trouble in awful trouble i'm afraid trouble that i cannot help him with that there is no help for this side of heaven and then tom haddington did what was so strange a sight in him that it controlled una's terrible excitement he dropped on the low sofa near where he stood and wiped great hot tears from his manly eyes there was no getting away from some revelations after that he did not tell her about that horrible letter he did not mention her name in the most remote way yet somehow he made her plainly understand that he was deceived and disappointed in his sister and that the husband of her choice knew how false was the heart he had taken to his home for ever eager question and answer followed each other until both suddenly felt themselves to be revealing secrets that did not belong to them una paused in the middle of a sentence and the startled glance of her eyes revealed to tom that he had been hearing words concerning his own sister that must overwhelm him with shame and pain poor romaine he said if he knew of this he would surely be amply revenged what do you mean una asked startled out of propriety again what can mr romaine have to do with this nothing thank god he at least has escaped and then again he felt that the sentence left unexplained compromised mr romaine in a manner that was hardly right so it was in a few sharp pain-fraught sentences revealed to the amazed una that mr romaine was once a man of great wealth and high position and was the betrothed husband of eleanor harrison but he lost his fortune and his promised bride at almost the same time does perry know of this una asked eagerly tom haddington winced no he doesn't but so surely as i am a man of honor he would have known it had i not firmly believed that eleanor had utterly changed repented in lowliness of heart and that her entire heart was given to perry harrison and that the other was a mistake they were interrupted by the coming in of other boarders and it was well that they were each felt that more had been said than it would have seemed possible to have said to each other about these things una went back to her room she was not afraid to be alone now 
strangely enough her excitement was calmed she was utterly stilled it seemed to her that there had been an earthquake awful indeed swallowing up much that was bright and beautiful but for all that the air was clear two things thrilled her in a sense hushed her mr romaine the man whom she had set down as one for whom life had always worn an unruffled calm had been through dark and bitter waters and had come out with the peace of god written on his forehead evidently he had forgiven eleanor harrison utterly but there was a greater thought than that perry harrison bound by hopeless ties that only death could break obliged to live beside talk with minister to a woman utterly false not only to him but to her sex and to all ideas of right and honor was yet sustained controlled patient she knew how patient his letters to his mother breathed of rest and trust and spoke always carefully even tenderly of eleanor how paltry her causes for anger looked beside this accumulation strange leading she was having when eleanor harrison wrote that bitter letter she had no conception whereunto it would lead the lord knew the wrath of one of his professed servants was being made to praise him since her life would not honor him her sin should it was only two days afterward that una wrote this in her journal midnight i have been reflecting whether or not to tear out that last page i have concluded to leave it as my private monument to the dear christ's enduring love how almost blasphemous it seems i dared to compare my wrongs with his and though i did not mean that it seemed as though i thought my own were heavier and yet he waited and called and coaxed and at last after weary tossings and almost shipwreck eunice taylor consented to enter into peace and oh what peace it is bless the lord O oh my soul surely i can forgive and pity and love all the world i can pray for eleanor harrison miserable misguided unsaved woman that she is i am sure the loving lord pities her i am sure he would have even her come into rest a blessed thought has come to me perhaps he will use me as his instrument to bring her in very deed to himself oh i will try for it i don't know what i can do but perhaps i can do something they are coming here next week perry and she coming for mrs harrison then we will go home oh mother and father what a heaven of a home i will try to make for you oh my class of boys i shall teach as i never taught before i presume i shall have to come down from this high state to common living but to-night i am lifted up the earth and all it has or might have or rather might have had for me has receded and heaven draws near i say to my soul soul it is only for a little while alone here and with burdens to bear not by any means so heavy as those of some others but yet heavy only a little while and then the sunshine of the father's home bless the lord o my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name End of chapter twenty